How many of you understand absent victory in Jesus, there'd be no reason to be here this morning. It is by the shed blood of Jesus Christ that Chris can have his life changed. We have our lives changed. And at some point, you're probably going to have somebody you care about, a loved one, that is going to need a special touch from God. And thank the Lord for that ministry called The Gap. Thank you for allowing us with the Christian Law Association to be here this morning. Well, it's such a privilege to get to be with your pastor. What a great joy. Um, some of you have seen me limping around here a little bit. Now, a while back here, I broke a couple bones in my leg. And you talk about a dilemma. I broke them walking across the front of a church. Uh, they had put up a little riser for the deaf minister to stand on, and I didn't see it, preacher. And I'm walking along, and I tripped and fell and broke two bones. Now, you talk about a dilemma. Here I am, a lawyer with broken bones and nobody to sue. Now, that's a major, major dilemma in life. But I'm doing just great. Turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. How many of you have seen things in America that you find absolutely unusual? How many of you have seen some things? Well, boy, if you listen to our phone at the Christian Law Association every day, you understand we get over 100,000 calls a year from believers asking for help who are being challenged for their faith. But we're about to read a passage of scripture where God gives you and me a great warning. How many of you here know the Lord as your personal savior? Well, that's me too, and this is directed to us. Let me paraphrase and tell you what this says, then we're gonna read it in the scriptures. God says, your spiritual forefathers, the children of Israel, had God taking care of them every way. God delivered them, he vanquished their enemies, he fed them, he led them. You know the story, a pillar of fire at night, a cloud by day. He gave them everything. But in spite of the fact that they had God, they committed four sins that God stopped them over. And God said, I want you to know exactly what these four sins are. And he said, I'm telling you, not just so that you can know what they did wrong. I want you to know so that you don't do them. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our spiritual forefathers were not stopped by their enemy. They were stopped by God. It wasn't their enemy that overthrew them. God overthrew them. And God said, these four sins, I want you to know so you don't get overthrown. Boy, in this hour, we need to look at these four sins carefully. Now, it doesn't matter where I go in America, I find these four sins. And can I confess all four of these sins have had a part in my life? And I think as we inventory them, you may find a part in your life. Now, how many of you here are thankful that God says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from? How many of you are thankful for that? Yeah. And by the way, how many of you would acknowledge I'm a sinner? How many of you would agree with that? If you didn't raise your hand right then, you can now, okay? Because... <laughs> We all are. We all are. Let's read this passage of scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brother, now this is addressed to believers, I would not that ye should be ignorant. And I'm told by studying the language of these Bible scholars, that word ignorant there means something very special. It was a word for something so profoundly foolish you couldn't even understand it. 
I think the word we'd use today is super stupid. How many of y'all ever done something super stupid, right? And how many of you like me, then you repeated it more than one time, right? Well, he says, I don't want you to do this. Would not that you should be ignorant. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, the Red Sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But now verse 5 is where I want you to start to mark something in your Bible. But with many of them, not some, with many of them, God was not well pleased. What a statement. They had God giving them everything. But God was not pleased with them for what they were doing. If the Lord were here this morning in a form we could see, and if he walked the aisles, and we said, Lord, pick out who you're not well pleased with. What would happen when he came to me? What would happen when he came to you? You see, my friend, we can fool each other, but nobody fools God. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. With many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Once again, let me repeat, their enemies did not overthrow them. The liberals did not overthrow them. God stopped them dead in their tracks. With many of them, God was not well pleased. Now, verse 6, now these things are our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. God said, what pulled them in, what destroyed them, I don't want it to pull you in. I don't want you to be sucked into this. And then he gives four sins. Now, as we briefly go through these four sins, would you inventory your own heart and life? Look carefully and answer to each one. Verse 7, neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, this is amazing. They had God doing everything for them, protecting them, feeding them, leading them. They had the true and the living God, and they had idols. And somehow they worked the idols and God all in together, and they got comfortable within the fabric of their society and the fabric of their lifestyle. So they had God and they had idols and they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And somehow having God and idols, they got comfortable with it. They had both. Well, David, I think I'm okay on this one because we don't have any little Jade Buddha at our house and we don't set it up on a shelf and we don't burn incense in front of it because that'd be an idol, wouldn't it? It sure would be. And we don't have a totem pole in our backyard. We don't chant and run around it. Good thing you don't, that'd be an idol. But very, very unlikely anybody here is going to do an idol that way because that's far too simplistic. We're too sophisticated for that. Uh, let me tell you how we do idols. We don't craft a God out of stone or wood with our hands. We craft a God in our minds, in our thinking. And we have the true and the living God. And we have the God we've created in our mind. And we've gotten comfortable with both. We've created a God that fits how we want to live. 
And it doesn't matter whether you craft a God out of wood and stone or you craft a God in your thinking. It's an idol either way. What's in our mind? Now, let me give you an example of this. The Bible says, set no wicked thing before your eyes. That's the God of the book. No wicked thing. Well, Brother Gibbs, I think God understands that it's 2021 and with the Internet and cable and everything. I mean, I mean, I, I just think God understands that. Where'd you get the God that it's OK to watch stuff that, you know, isn't right? You didn't get them from the book. We created them in our mind. And somehow we've worked that all together. So we come to church and we sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how he loves you and me. And then we have the God we go home with in our head. And God says, stop it. Stop it. Stop making me up. Whoa. The God of the book says, thou shalt not lie. It doesn't say don't lie too much. He says, don't lie at all. Now, let me give you an example. How many of you here have a driver's license? Hold your hand up, would you? How many of you here ever got a speeding ticket? Okay, yeah. How many of you, like me, have had more than one? Okay, okay. Now, you know what happens. The office pulls you over, and you're not about to tell them the truth. He says, you know how fast you were going? And he tells you, he said, really? No kidding. Now, never mind, if you told him the truth, you'd say, you ought to see how fast I was going before I slammed down the brakes, before I spotted you. Now, now Brother Gibbs, I'm not going to tell that cop the truth. I don't care what the Bible says. A lie is an ever-present help in time of trouble. When that policeman's got you yanked over, oh, boy. And then you know what you do, you lie even more. You say, hey, hey, couldn't I, I, I won't speed anymore. I promise you, I won't speed anymore. How many of y'all ever said something that stupid, right? Sure. Oh, listen. God says, I want you to stop fabricating me. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. You all know it just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Boy, nationwide, we've gotten comfortable with making God up. And God says, stop it. Look at the second thing he says. Number one, no idolatry. Don't make him up. Number two, don't commit fornication. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and 20,000. If you wonder if God takes fornication serious in one day, he killed 23,000 of his own. Hmm. Well, Brother Gibbs, I think I'm okay. I'm not running around on my wife. Good, I'm not either. But can I remind you? To fornicate means to bend. It means to take something God made one way and divert it, to change it, to fornicate it. And mostly it applies to physical or sexual things. And God says, I want you clean on the inside and the outside. When we stand before God, he says, you're going to give an account for every thought, every word, every deed. Where were your fantasies last week? 
Where were your thoughts? Well, I don't think God's going to hold us responsible for just thinking those bent thoughts, imagining things that aren't right. God says, no, 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 stop it. I want you straight on the inside and the outside. Now, I don't have it, but if I had a little machine that I could set up up here and hit non-invasive leads to your forehead, and if that machine would enable us to read your memory bank for the last week, and we shined it up on these screens so everybody could see every thought you had last week, I wonder how many of you would say, oh, yeah, hook me up, hook me up. I want everybody to see the real me. Or would you say, oh, no, 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 sweet Alabama. If you hook me up to that, everybody know me like God knows me. Exactly. God says, I want you clean on the inside and the outside. By the way, where your mind is taking you on the inside, your life will go on the outside. I cannot tell you the thousands of men and women that have come to me and said, I thought I could handle it. No, you can't. No one can. That's why we got to be these four sins. Stop making God up. And number two, get clean on the inside and the outside. Look at number three. Neither let us tempt Christ. But some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. I have people say, I think I'm okay on that one because I'm not sure what it means. It's a common sin. To tempt Christ means you're trying to get a bargain. God, you do this and then I'll do this. God says, stop it. I'm not cutting private deals. Now, that's in us by nature. We want to deal with authority. I was walking my granddaughter out of Walmart. I'm pushing the cart. My daughter-in-law's in the front. And you know, to get out, they line those last-minute things up as you walk to the cash register. My granddaughter spotted a little toy she wanted. And she said, I want that toy right there, Mom. I want that. I want that. And her mom said, no, absolutely not. Now, that's real clear. No, absolutely not. She said, but I want it. And her mother said, no, you hear me? No. Like that, my granddaughter told her mom, well, grandpa will get it for me. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> Isn't it something? There's just something in us that wants to fudge authority. God, you give me a real good raise and then I'll tithe. God wants you to tithe if your salary gets cut in half. He said, those that worship me must come to me in spirit and in, what's the next word? Truth. God's not going to cut a deal. Number one, God says, stop making me up. Stop that stuff in your mind, the God that fits how you want to live. He says, number two, get clean on the inside and the outside. Then he says, number three, no private deals. But look at number four, and this is the one I have the most trouble with personally. Verse 10, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. To murmur means to gripe, means to complain, means to be an unhappy camper. Whoa. Do you realize it's an egregious sin against God to gripe? Now, the sin is not in griping too much. The sin is in griping at all. 
Have you ever spent one day saying for God's honor, I'm not going to gripe about anything? Big things, little things. I'm not going to murmur about anything because God forbids it. Whoa. Now, I've not counted them, Pastor. But very conservative Bible scholars have. And every time you gripe, you commit over 130 different sins. Every time. Now, some are obvious. And everything give thanks. There went that one. Rejoice. There went that one. Again, I say rejoice. There went that one. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith. Oh, there went bing, 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 bing. Every time we gripe. That's why when you and I gripe, the devil says, way to go. God says, stop it. No more griping. Whoa. Now, ladies, please listen to this. It's not that ladies gripe more than men. They don't. They do not. But they're better at it. <laughs> you say, Brother Gibbs, why would you say such a thing? Because you have these beautiful faces, what the Bible calls your countenance. A lady's face can send a message. How many of you men know a lady can, can give you a look that sends a message that you can see at 1,000 yards in the dark? How many of you men know women can do that? Hold your hand up. Well, yeah. How many of you say, I'd raise my hand, but I don't want to live with that look all day, okay? Stop it. Stop it. If I went to your kids after church, before you could tell your kids, now don't you tell that lawyer nothing. And that'd be very good advice, okay? I wonder if I said to your kids, does mom gripe? No, of course not. That'd be a sin. Does dad gripe? No, it's a sin. How did we get so comfortable with this sin that we've worked it right into the fabric of our relationship with God? God says, stop it. Stop it. Now, here's my problem, and I confess this to you. It takes quite a little bit for me to get ticked off. But once I'm ticked off, I'm eloquent. And so are some of you. People said, well, I was at a loss for words. I've never been at a loss for words. <laughs> Brother Renz, I just opened my mouth and they're there. I got on an airplane. It's 530 in the morning and I'm not a morning person. How many of you, you're bright eyed. You like getting up in the morning. Hold your hand. Ought to be legal to shoot you. OK. <laughs> my dear wife, that's her bright eyed. Boy, me, I, st I struggle much coffee and struggle in the morning. I'm getting on this Delta airplane and it's 530 in the morning. And when I got on, I looked at the seats and they put a new interior in it. They were the smallest seats I've ever seen. They were like minuscule. And I looked at these seats. They're so narrow. And I thought, once I'm wedged in, I will not need a seatbelt. I won't. Once I'm wedged in, turn this baby upside down. I won't be going anywhere. <laughs> you know that thing in the event of an emergency? Well, if there's an emergency, me and the seat will waddle out of here together. That's what we'll do. And, and as bad as they are this way is this way. The guy in front of you leans back. You could brush his teeth for him. I mean, his head is in your lap.
And I didn't say anything. I just think these are the stupidest, tiniest seats I've ever seen. And I had to go way to the back. That's where my row was. And people are getting in their seats. And there's a flight attendant standing there. I didn't say one word about her. I commented on the seats. I said, that's the most minuscule, tiny, puny seat I've ever seen. A puny seat. Like that, she exploded and let me have it. I said, that's the puniest seat I've ever seen. Loud in front of everybody, she said, well, you could lose weight, you know. <laughs> oh, sweet Alabama. <laughs> it's 5.30 in the morning, and I got the Delta mouth of the South. When she said it, that did it. She said, you could lose weight, you know. I said, you're right, and you could get prettier. I said, I don't know how to tell you this. You are one of the most seriously, cosmetically challenged people I've ever met. I said, when you fell out of the tree, you didn't miss a branch on the way down. I said, I'll bet your mom doesn't even keep the baby pictures, does she? Bang, bang. Now, I started doing it, and the people around me started applauding. A businessman there got his pen out, and he said, say again, I'll write all that down. And he said, where'd you get that? I said, I don't know, the devil gave it to me. I don't know where I got it. She started sniffling up. I said, if you think tears are gonna get you out of this, you started it, I'm just finishing it. I'm sinning big time and I feel great. Do you understand, every time you gripe or murmur, doesn't matter what someone else did, you're breaking God's heart. Whoa. I'm putting my stuff up overhead. I put my coat up there, and when I did, some gospel tracks just slid out of my pocket. And I picked them up to put them back. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, probably not a good time to give her one. <laughs> I want you to hear me. This world doesn't want to hear from you if you can't control your mouth. They understand they can't. But you talk about you have the all-powerful God. You talk about God controls your life. I thought, what's the matter with me? I made my way back up to the front. I told the flight attendant, I said, can I talk to you? She said, no, I've heard enough from you. I said, I know. I said, I apologize to you. She said, you want to apologize to me? I said, yeah. She said, I've been a Delta flight attendant 22 years and no one's ever apologized. I said, today's the day. I said, what I did to you broke God's heart. What I did to you, I'd never want somebody to do to my wife or daughter. And I'm asking you for forgiveness. And I said, I want to give you something and please, please, please don't hold me against this. What would it take for you to stop murmuring? To stop griping? Yeah, but Brother Gibbs, if we do that, what will we talk about? And can I be, ask you to be careful? It doesn't matter which news outlet you're watching. All day long, they're upset and they want you upset. You've never watched one that said, man, we got great news today. God loves you. Heaven can be your home. Instead, what's happened is we've picked up the murmuring.
And God says, I'm telling you for these four sins, I overturned Israel. No more idolatry, stop making me up. Number two, get it straight on the inside and the outside. Where were your fantasies and your imaginations last week? Number three, no deals. Stop tempting God. And then he says, stop the murmuring, neither murmur ye. Whoa. Well, Brother Gibbs, I don't have trouble with any of these. Well, then would you pray for me? Because I find these sins are cascading across America unbelievably. And we've gotten comfortable with what we should never be comfortable with. I was in California and a young lady picked me up to go to the motel. She's driving the van and it's been pouring rain and she was late and lost her way and everything else. And I'm just ticked off, just ticked off. And I'm thinking now, be nice. How many of you ever said be nice to yourself, right? Be nice. God doesn't want you to be nice. He's commanded you to be loving. <laughs> that young lady turned to me and said, how's your day going? And I thought, Lord, if there was ever a chance I ought to be able to murmur, it's right now. This young lady missed my day up. And I'll never forget what I did. I said, I got a question for you. I said, there's a lot of Bible colleges around here. I said, you don't go to Bible college anywhere, do you? She said, yeah, I do. And she said, I just recognized your voice. You're David Gibbs, aren't you? I was about to let her have it. With God listening and man listening. And God says, stop it. Stop it. God said, this is why I overthrew your forefathers. And I'm telling you about it so that you don't make the same mistake. Bow your heads in prayer, Father. Oh, if there was ever a time our nation needs God, it's now. Forgive us for making you up idols and for committing fornication, bending it in our minds and tempting God and murmuring. I'm going to say, Brother Gibbs, God spoke to my heart. And God helping me, I want to change some things in my life. I don't want these sins, and I want to stop murmuring. My heart's been touched this morning. If that's true, hold your hand up right now. Hold your hand up high. Look at all the hands. If you raised your hand, would you get out of your seat and come to this altar for a brief moment of prayer? It'll only be a second. Step out and come right now. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. God spoke to my heart. You come, my friend. I promise you, we can be everything God wants us to be. Everything. Everything he commands us to be by his power. Oh, my. God spoke to my heart, but I didn't raise my hand. You come, too. No one changes without coming to God saying, I can't, but you can. Without you, we can do nothing, Father. Oh, would you come? Father, I bow with these precious hearts. Forgive me, forgive us. We want this world to see Jesus Christ in us. Hear our cry this morning. We're done making you up. You're the God of the book. 
forgive us for imaginations and fantasies and for bending things and for trying to cut a deal with God. How preposterous. And God, forgive us for murmuring. Hear the cry of every heart, I pray. Father, if they forgive everything and forget what I've said, they've lost nothing. But we, we never forget what your book says in Jesus' name. And all God's children together said, Amen, Amen. When you're done praying, you make your way back. I don't care who you're sitting next to. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I'm done griping. Tell your neighbor, I'm done griping. Amen. Now turn to that same neighbor and tell him, I want you to be done griping too. Because it's a wicked sin. It's a wicked sin. Oh, listen. I cannot tell you the number of times knowing this truth, I still violated it. Every month, our ministry, the Christian Law Association, sends out a newsletter. How many of you get our newsletter? Anybody here? Oh, good number. Please, I beg you, let us send you our newsletter. We are legal missionaries. We defend Christians when they're challenged legally for the faith. What a privilege. Your church has been so gracious to us, so kind. Your pastor has been such a breath of encouragement all these years to our ministry. I love this man. And you have a great man of God here as your pastor. Please, please. Yeah, amen. By the way, we're telling everybody the only hope America has is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the hope and the local church. So people say, what can I do for America? Get active in your local church. But would you let us send you the newsletter? It's absolutely free. There is no charge at all. But we ask for one commitment. Would you give me one minute of prayer a month for the lawsuits? A minute a month, not a week or a day, a month. And I promise you, when you're sued, you'll want everybody to pray. When they're going after you for the faith, you're going to say, get everybody to pray. There's virtually not a day. We, we had dinner with your pastor last night. Before, before I went to sleep, I got two emergency calls off the West Coast. People, the same story. I can't believe this is happening to us. When you're sued for the faith, you're going to say, whoa, how? The bottom line is we covet your prayers. We covet your prayers. People come to me and say, boy, the lawsuits in your newsletter are so interesting. And I always tell them a lawsuit's only interesting if it's not your lawsuit. When it's your lawsuit, it's terrifying. How many of you say, Brother Gibbs, ushers, come on up here to the front, would you please? I don't get your newsletter, but send it to me. I will give you one minute of prayer a month. I'll do that. Hold your hand up, would you? Now give one to everybody whose hand is up in the air. Please, Michael, would you help them from the front here back? This is Michael Adams, one of our lawyers. We want to make sure. And ladies, don't put it in your purse. What goes in a lady's purse is never seen again. It's a goner. And please fill it out. We're going to take it immediately. We're going to take them back immediately. And please, somebody has to be able to read it. So please, please fill that out. You will hand them to the ushers as you walk out the door. In the back is a book table. Uh, there's books back there. Every dime we make on these books, we put into the lawsuits every penny. We've never taken a dime personally. And if you're here and you have no money, I'll give you a book if you promise me you'll read it. 
just don't fib to me about whether you have money or not, okay? How many of you all agree it's not nice to fib to Brother Gibbs, okay? One back there I recommend strongly, 10 things every Christian should know about the United States Constitution. I hear all day long on, on all kinds of media, well, the, the Constitution says, and it says no such thing. Not even close, it's not in there. But we don't know that because you've not read it. Well, I'd like to read it, but it'd take forever. If you're an average reader, an average to slow reader, you can read the U.S. Constitution in 12 to 13 minutes. It's not long. And by the way, if you've never read it, how do you pledge allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the, what's the next word? Republic. The court says what you are pledging is the U.S. Constitution. That's the Republic. You're pledging what you've never read. Ten things every Christian should know. One about the founding of America. My wife's devotion books are back there. Please, if these books would be a blessing to you, please get them. Church, turn to your neighbor one more time and tell your neighbor it's a sin to gripe, so cut it out. Tell your neighbor it's a sin to gripe, so cut it out. Pastor, thank you. On the way out, turn in that envelope, fill it out, make sure you print it, and give it to the ushers as you leave the door. Preacher. Preacher.